into the area. Janček, stab through, chance, shot, goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes at the end for the derby! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, home of the best goalkeeper in the world, probably. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. Yeah, he's not bad, is he? He's not bad. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good to be back to winning ways and and seeing Hearts win on the road for the first time since August is is always welcome. Yeah, it uh, wasn't looking like that at halftime. It wasn't until someone pointed out that the last time we'd been there, up until 71 minutes, it was nil-nil. And I have to say, at one stage during that first half, I was thinking we might be a repeat of the 5-0 from the last time on the cards, but managed to turn it around. With a replacement, um, a replacement sub as well, and I'm sure the the discussion today might focus a little bit about what happens next for Ben Woodburn as well. Indeed, yes, Hearts got their first top flight win away to Livingston since 2006. A big win for Hearts, and we're also joined by a man who got a big win of his own since we were last on, Ryan McGowan. That was a better intro than last week. How are we doing, guys? I'm good. Good, good, good. W- was it worth it, the win? Because um, it seemed to be a... For, for everyone that doesn't really or isn't really aware of, of the game that you played in a derby, it seemed to be one of the biggest games of the season that, that you all play in Kuwait. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like the Celtic Rangers of Kuwait, really. Um, so it was good. Yeah, it was really good for the club to, to get a win and it sets us up nicely. So it's three wins from three. Um, in the league, um, we're in the already in the cup final against the team we just played, so that's on the twenty third of December. So it's um, yeah, it sets it up nicely because it's only a couple of weeks away, um, and we get to play them again in what should be a, a pretty big uh, occasion. Hundred percent record in the league to start the season so far. Not too bad. Not too bad. Yes, good start for us. Um, so yeah, just uh, we've got a busy. Up until January the 5th, I think we've got six or seven games. So it's a busy period for us at the minute. But um, yeah, fingers crossed we can keep it going. We are Scarves Around the Funnel, and we will be talking about the men in Maroon, Heart of Midlothian, and the two matches that have been played since we were last on. So that is the game away to Celtic, and then the following game away to Livingston on Sunday just past. We will look ahead to the upcoming Rangers game as well. And in between that, I've got a, a quiz of sorts. To, of sorts? Yes. It's, it's uh, yeah. You're building it up. Yeah. yeah. Well, we will get to that in due course. First off. Thursday night football for Hearts. Just warming us up for next season, I think. Just getting us practicing, playing on Thursday evenings. Uh, they travelled... The cha- Champions League's Tuesday, Wednesday. Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday. What are you talking about Thursday football for? Touche, yeah. 
Fair play. Okay. Yeah, we'll take that. Qualifiers, and then when we when we finish third in the group stages, then we'll be playing on Thursdays. There you go. Yep. There we go. I, I recovered that just about. <laughs> anyway, it was obviously a Scottish Premiership game on Thursday night. Celtic against Hearts, Robbie Nielsen's side. Um, massive underdogs going into this one. And a change of system, which maybe some people would have expected, given how under the cosh Hearts were last time they went there in August in the Cup. So Hearts changed a 4-2-3-1 formation for this game following the 2-0 win over St Mirren. Uh, Benny Beningame out injured and Andy Halliday, Gary Mackay, Stephen and Liam Boyce all dropping out of the starting 11. In comes Peter Haring, Ben Woodburn, Aaron McInef and Josh Janelli. Mark, were you surprised or did you expect Bet Robbie Nielsen to try and change things up for this particular match? Well, you knew you were going to be on the back foot. You knew you'd be up against a 4-3-3. Um, so if you go with three centre-backs uh, against three forwards, you're, you're pretty much asking, it's basically a back five. So I think he wanted to try and get a bit more possession in the middle of the park. Uh, I was surprised that Boyce didn't start. And uh, McInef coming in, we'd speculated on, on that in the last few weeks. Um, so, yeah, Haring coming in um, when he hadn't played quite a lot was no surprise. That was that was the obvious one. And a, and a flat back four. So first half didn't quite go as according to plan or what we would have liked, but the second half was, was all right. But as far as the team selection was concerned, just Boyce, I mean, what was the away game he went with? Um, he went with Ginelli as the lone striker instead of when Boyce was, was out injured. I know he did it at Tynecastle, didn't he, against Dundee United? But did he not mm-hmm. do the same against Aberdeen? Um, yes, I, I think you're right. Different formation, but um, I think he went generally through the middle. Yet to be convinced by Josh as a as a, a kind of on his own striker, but he gave us the mobility that, that I suppose that Robbie felt that he could get in behind the likes of Starfelt and, and Stephen Welsh. I just wish we would have put a bit more pressure on a back four that I wasn't convinced by at all. Um, I'm looking, actually. I think Aberdeen, they did have Ginelli in, but Nongdwee started as well. But it, it was... So he did. It was, it was a bit fluid in that game. But Nongdwee, please don't forget, we have to mention his cameo appearance at Livingston. We I know, I know and I know I'm gone right ahead, but honest to God... We'll I, would get taken, I would have taken. I would have taken. Oh, gee! Oh, that got me angry. Anyway, we'll, we'll get there. We'll yes, get there. I know. I know. I know. You just triggered something that you, I'm not normally an angry person, but that was a trigger point. Oof! <laughs> In terms of the system, Ryan, it, it's funny. Hearts moving to a back four. Um, it was effectively a back five when they played at Celtic Park in August. Can you can you see the logic behind? moving to that system from a defensive point of view against Ange Postacoglu's Celtic? Yeah, I think so. I think it just it's maybe a slightly easier just to match up um, instead of sometimes when you get caught with the five, it's a little bit can be who's picking up who and you know some, sometimes there's a lot more gaps or a lot more shuffling, whereas I think a back four is a little bit more settled and also just think we had the players to, that suited that a little bit better and... Um, yeah, it was almost night and day compared to the the performance earlier on in the season, which I think most Hearts fans were pleased about. Indeed, and as Mark says, Hearts rode their luck in the first half. They weren't at their best. It wasn't 
it wasn't kind of backs to the wall and completely like the the game in August, but certainly Celtic were the better team. Um, they did score one goal, which we'll talk about. They, they had other chances to score goals. Gordon had a poor pass out of uh, out of his box, which ended up with a Jota slash Forest chance he should have scored. There was a couple other half chances and a really good save from Gordon from a McGregor deflected effort. We'll speak a bit about, more about Gordon, I think, after we get to the Livy um, analysis. But the goal came 12 minutes before the end of the first half. And it's a controversial one. And I, I will admit, and anyone who was tuning into the Hearts TV coverage as opposed to Sky, which will most likely only be the international um, listeners to this podcast, will know that in real time, I wasn't sure if it was offside. We are kind of central back of the main stand area. Um, so maybe not the best angle. It happened very quickly. But what you would say, Mark, is the nearside assistant is in the absolute perfect position for this. So I think from where he is, it's a really bad call. It is. And it happens. Why was it a bad call? It wasn't, in my opinion, a bad call because of any conspiratorial issues, no. because of any bias issues or, or whatever. It was just incompetence. And that's why, and you're, you're always going to have those that, that think there's agendas and Celtic fans think some referees go to the lodge. Um, Rangers fans think some referees go to the chapel. That's, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. Now, it wasn't a good call. And there were a few bad calls in this one. Yeah. The problem, I think, in, in Scottish football, and this is this is why VAR, to an extent, would concern me. Not because of the offside goal, because VAR would clear that up pretty straight away. That's black or white. It's either offside or it's not. It's, it's uh, objectivity rather than subjectivity. My concern with VAR is if you're not going to have full-time referees on the whole... You're going to have those. You're going to take referees away, and I don't think the standard is is overly great. No. Um, you're going to take some referees away to be. You've got to decide who's your who your VAR officials are going to be, um, and that dilutes the the pond even further as far as quality is concerned for for the wrestling. There's no guarantee they're going to get something right mm. um, for for VAR. That that's a concern. We're not talking offside here because offside, and especially with the trials that are going on just now. Uh, Ryan is at the FIFA Asia Cup. Um, that's that's going on um, uh, as a kind of uh, as a rehearsal um, for for the World Cup. They're they're trying out the um, the semi. Uh, what's the phrase about the offside with 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 VAR? Um, so that it's going to be done quicker and it'll it'll come to a conclusion and 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 a decision um, pretty soon. Um, certainly sooner than it is right now. So. Uh, just the whole refereeing issues right now. I just don't think a lot of them are very good. And that's yeah. the problem. I think mm. you're right. And I mean, the offside one is, yeah, it, it, should be, it, it shouldn't be given as a goal. It was offside. But you know, and I guess it annoys me sometimes as well when you see Celtic fans maybe just, and apart from anything, at halftime, I was actually kind of laughing in disbelief when Celtic fans were booing and screaming at the officials as they went off at halftime around me. It's a, it's a whole other level at that place compared to, obviously everyone's got tinted specs. 
in terms of home fans, but it's, it feels a whole other level. It's proper, it's proper paranoia, isn't it, in Glasgow? And Celtic, yeah. Celtic and Rangers are as bad as each other, by the way, and they'll try and get one-upmanship. Oh, they did this, and what about today? They're as bad as each other, and you can see why some referees maybe get intimidated by that. The thing that annoyed me, I think, about... And the, the offside annoyed me when I, see, I saw it afterwards as a bad call, but there was just... And to be, and there was a few bad calls, like you said. Like I don't know how Cammy Devlin didn't get carded in the first half. It was about the easiest yellow card you could see. Um, there was a few ones where he gave the thrones the wrong way. But there was, just a couple, like, there, was, there was one point where, as far as I could see, he said that Michael Smith took too long to take a throne, so he gave it to Celtic, which either, either you just let him take it and tell him to hurry up or you book him for time wasting. I don't, I've never seen that as a thing. And that's all like, unless I missed something, that's what it looked like he gave. Um, and then I'm, I am jumping ahead myself as well, because we'll, we'll just get the official stuff out of the way. Second half, this is the one where I still, and I've, I shared it on Twitter. I can't get my head around this one at all. And I'll get your thoughts on it, Ryan. So Jota's got the ball. He's running inside and he pulls up, you know, he's pulled the muscle back of it. Maybe he's hamstring. Um, and you can see he pulls up straight away and as soon as he's pulled up, Hanning's nabbed the ball off him. So Hanning starts running forward and as Hanning's picked the ball up, Bobby Madden blows the whistle. And Incredible. Everyone seemed quite confused. It's like, oh, it's never a foul. Like, How is he given a foul there? But, oh, he's not given a foul. So what's he given? And he seemed a little bit apologetic about the fact that he blew the whistle so quickly. I don't know if he wasn't thinking, but I've, I've seen the argument put from a few people that I know referees can stop the game if there's a serious injury. Now, you've been a footballer for a long time, Ryan, you'll, you know the, the rules quite well, and I know sometimes rules are there's something that's in writing and then there's an interpretation. Now, I've seen games stopped quite often when there's a player lying on the ground, and I know the excuse could be from the referee, I don't know what's wrong with him. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know, has he... Has he taken some kind of fit? Is there something really serious off the ball that I've not seen? Um, you know, has he just collapsed? Okay, I could see the argument, but to me, a muscle injury is not an injury that you have to immediately stop the play if it's in flow because, yeah, it's, it's sore, it's unfortunate, it's painful, but getting, getting him treatment right that second is not going to change anything. So to me, my interpretation was that's not how you do it. You don't just suddenly stop the play. And I've never, I can't, apart from head knocks, I I can't think of a time where I've seen a referee blow so quickly after someone's pulled up with a kind of muscle injury like that. No, never. And it's normally up to the opposing team to decide what they do. So you you see it loads of times for wingers sort of running down or a striker and he's running through and he pulls up on his hamstring. You maybe just knock the ball out of the pitch and they come on and treat it back and then the the team gives the ball back to you. But that's up to the team. There's no rules in that you have to kick the ball out. So if no, uh, if, no. if Hart's got the ball and went on attack and scored, yeah, Celtic might have been pissed off, but it's also a little bit like, well, wh- what do you want us to do? You want us to, do you want the Hart's physios to run on and check that he's okay? Like that is part of football is, is muscle injuries and, and getting injured. It's not up to the ref to decide. Um Oh, yeah, he's pulled his hamstring. And I, I also think that he didn't think that hearts were going to be on the counter. You know, I think he thought that maybe the Celtic player was going to get it and it could have just easily sort of stopped the ball. But I think seeing his reaction, he knew that he made a mistake blowing for the whistle. But then but then Celtic keep the ball yeah, after it, which, which after is, the drop ball. 
that would have pissed me off more than the whole thing. Yeah, because Hearts have got possession back by the time he blows. I mean, I know what you're saying. I mean, I think it is, you know, the referee can stop play if, if it's a serious injury. But I think, yeah, the, the issue there is that's not seen as what is a serious yeah. injury. And to be, or if he honest, went down clutching his knee, you know, you know, and sometimes players move and you're like, oh, like he's done his ligaments there or he's done his ACL. That's a bit different. You could just tell that he's pulled his hamstring or he's, yeah. I don't even know if he played at the weekend. But he's felt something in his hamstring and pulled up. Um, so, yeah, it was just a, a very frustrating watching it after <laughs> after seeing the first half and seeing the offside goal to then see that would have um, just blown a few people's heads off. I believe it's just incompetence. It, 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 that's that's what it is. And I'm I'm looking right now at how much Scottish refs get paid, right? Top flight, 800 quid. Of the 23 highest paid leagues for referees in the world, Scotland is 20th, right? Australia is below us. And <laughs> Austria is below us. And, and Switzerland is below us by 50 quid a game. Now, the part-time. If you want to introduce VAR, if a referee was to take a game that he was in charge of and then be told, no, you're doing VAR next week, he goes from 800 quid to 300 quid. So it's a 500 quid drop, if that was to be the case. There's no one... <laughs> to make people full-time could improve them because they're going to be working at it full-time. You've got to incentivize them. You've got to make them worth it. Now, Premier League referees get supposedly 1,500 a game, which I've seen more, but that's what they're saying. The highest-paid refs are... Are Spanish refs. I think you get what you pay for. And if you yeah. pay 800 quid a game, you're going to, and, and it's a part-time league. The, it is what it is, but it's it's the consistency of decisions like that that aren't very good that's that's frustrating. And by the way, David Martindale can say exactly the same yeah. on Sunday yeah. because you were spot on in commentary when you said, you know what, that's not even in line. He's actually behind the last defender, which who I think was John Souter. And, and still gets gets flagged offside. It's incompetence. And by the way, this isn't just because it's December 2021. This isn't anything new. We could no. be doing this for the last 50 years. The standard of refereeing and officiating in Scottish football is not good enough. And for all of them to say, oh, we'll make it better, we'll do this, bollocks. It is and, not improved. And the thing is, as well, Mark, I mean, you, you talk about the money side of it and incentivizing it. And, and the problem is, if, these are, if this is part-time and it's people doing it for you know, a few hundred quid, but it's not their main source of income. Not only is, you know, the pressure, not it's hard to put pressure on them from whoever's overseeing them because you maybe know, well, look, if I give him, if we over-criticise or, you know, you know, give them to make it too negative for them, they might just go, well, you know, fuck, I, I'm, this isn't worth it for 300 quid. I can't be well, Remember the got, strike? Aye. Remember the strike? Exactly. And, and at the same time, there's also no pressure for them to, from the referee's point of view, not necessarily deliberately, but subconsciously, it's like in it's like in a football team. If you've got, if you know there's no competition behind you, you naturally maybe aren't as sharp or don't work as hard at what you're 
doing because you know that you've got your place and that's not going to change. And I think you could see it from the referees because, you know, I know people are always saying, well, you know, Bobby Mann had a shocker, whatever referee had a shocker needs to be taken out of the limelight for a few weeks. But then, but who do you put in? Because, you know, there's six top flight games, five games in the second tier, five games in the third tier, five games in the fourth tier. There's a lot of games even in the SBFL alone. And that's not even counting, obviously, all the many games that go on in the Highland League and the East of Scotland League and all, all over the country. So where do they seen- come from? Exactly. Like I, I remember a game at Easter Road, Hibs Hearts, and it was one of the best refereeing performances I've seen. It was many, many years ago, and it was by Bobby Madden. I just thought he got the whole tone of the occasion. I can't even remember if Ryan was playing, but he just did everything right. Now, he had a bad day at the office. We all have them, and mm. it's easy to identify and say, oh, that was a disgrace, and Bobby will be the first to kind of know that he fucked up. And he shouldn't have done that. And I think he, to, to award the free kick or the drop ball, he got look, he got that wrong. And it was just a combination of things. If it had been in isolation and it hadn't just followed on the back of the, the offside goal. But the problem is that it's a standard issue here. And, and as, as Robbie Nielsen quite rightly said, he asked for an explanation from Crawford Allen. And Crawford said, um, oh, I, I haven't seen it. Or someone on behalf of Crawford. Um, who's head of refereeing operations at the Scottish FA, had come out and said, oh, he hasn't seen it yet, he's on holiday this week. Then he goes on the BBC and explains to them and and comes out and, and as you would expect and as you would hope, he does what we've seen and says it wasn't good enough from from Bobby. Um, But he then doesn't respond to Robbie Nielsen. There's something wrong here. We need to get our, our kind of, our ducks in a row here. Because they're going to come under under fire. Well, okay, let's douse the flames as opposed to pour fuel on them like Crawford Allen has done. It was just a mess and it could be handled a lot better. But for Celtic to say, woe be me, oh, this is, this is terrible and bad old hearts, come on. How many times, mm. Ryan, did you play in Glasgow and you thought... We, it's, it's like going to America as a British boxer or a European boxer. <laughs> At times you feel, you feel like you've got to knock the guy out on American soil to get a decision. You must have had a few times in Glasgow you thought, gee whiz, the only thing missing here is the referee wearing a Celtic or a Rangers jersey. Yeah, or a penalty that the ref takes and scores. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I think I can sometimes give the benefit of doubt to linesmen because I think that's a tough one, you know, to get it spot on and, and how quick players are and you just need to think about, if you know, if a defence is running out and a striker is running through that split second of... You know, within a second, there can be a four-meter difference between when the ball was played and the ball wasn't played. So I find that one sometimes I can give them the benefit of the doubt, but it's the yeah, it's the a foul when it's not a foul, or or I think sometimes just when the whole stadium knows it's a free kick and then the ref points to the other way, and everyone's like, oh, like, we thought it was a free kick to Hearts, and you've now given it to Celtic. What what's going on here? I think that's probably where where most of the frustration is, and. Um, having played a lot of games with VAR, it is good for offsides and it is good for you know some you know red card decisions, but it also leaves that doubt. You see it down in uh, down in England of how many they sort of VAR doesn't get right. So I think Scotland's kind of hoping on or holding on to this VAR will fix everything. It'll definitely fix the offside rules, but it won't fix some of the sort of debates that you have that VAR will get everything 100% spot on. Let's uh, try and get out of the officiating rabbit hole because the second half, to be fair, bar some, some bad refereeing, was a very positive one. 
from a Hearts mm-hmm. perspective. Um, quite a few chances to score. Kingsley had a free header from a Barry Mackay corner. Um, you know, Celtic had the chances. James Forrest should have wrapped up with a one-on-one. Um, but the big one, I think, is Gary Mackay Stephen, mm-hmm. which is a big head and hands moment because Hearts have a nice quick break. Barry Mackay, and I, I thought Barry Mackay was terrific. I think he's really coming onto a game for Hearts just now. Slips it through for Gary Mackay Stephen, who's come off the bench, you know, perfectly laid off, 20 yards out. And I think Robbie's annoyed at this one, but there's he just trips over his own legs. And it's so awful to watch it back because he's kind of bearing down one on goal, uh, um, bearing down on goal one on one. And just takes himself out of the game. Just one of those games, the second half, Mark, wasn't it? it just it, you kind of felt like it's just not going. We're, we're going to push and push. We're just not quite going to find uh, a way a way through on goal. For all our criticism about officials and things that went against us, we've only got ourselves to blame that we didn't take something from that game with the mm-hmm. the quality of the chances that we had. And I'm actually pleased in that it's not a league cup first half performance it's not an Aberdeen second half away performance it's not a Motherwell away performance but this is second half we we right now we struggle to put two halves together um whether it's Livingston second half Celtic second half if you put the Celtic first half and Livingston first half together oh my goodness so <laughs> are, are we not learning or, or what's going on because we've seen when we're playing well and when we it's as if the, not the rule book, but the tactics book is not ripped up. But Ryan, it's like the last ten minutes of games when you just like you 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 don't worry about consequences. You just yeah. push forward, and that's what's happened to Hearts um, in the second half against Celtic, and and to an extent against Livingston as well. So, are we too cautious in the first half? Whether it's Celtic, where we Harley had a, a sniff on Joe Hart's goal, and they could easily have have gone in a couple of goals up in addition to Furuhashi's goal. Um, and then at Livingston, where Craig played an absolute blinder, are, are we too cautious? Do we show them too much respect? Should we be starting games the way that we're playing in, in some of the second halves right now, Ryan? Yeah, I think I think the, Cel- the Celtic one would have probably been a cautious approach from everyone. In terms of let's just stay in the game. I think we touched on oh, it. That's understandable. The game. Yeah, that's, that's understandable. A, that's understandable. And then the Livingston game is different. It almost feels like everything that they've worked on during the week or what they possibly thought the opposition would play. And it just is maybe not clicking. You know, they've maybe worked on a few things in training. We, we obviously not on the training ground. So they maybe worked on a few things and they're, they're trying to do it. But like you said, it almost seems like they then say, right, that's not working. So let's just play. And the performance goes up tenfold. And I think maybe we just need to approach those games of just being like, do you know what? We we know what they're going to do. And when they have the ball, we have a different approach. But when we have it, let's just go play. Because we got, like, this is probably the best team on paper, the best footballing players that we have for many a year. Mm-hmm. So let, just let them play. Let them play their normal game. And we've touched on it before. The squad that we've built, they're all good footballers. You know, they they can all play football. They can all move. They can all play different positions. They, you know, we don't just have like a an out and out defensive right back or two centre backs that just go and head things. You know, we've got Suda that can bring the ball out. We've got 
Devlin um, hiring in the midfield that can that can play football but can also mix it. We've got a strike force that's, you know, like you said, I think we're going to touch on it a bit later. Barry Mackay, some of his touches and some of his link-up plays just, you, you know, you almost think, wow, the Hearts have done really well to, to get him. And mm. now that he's finding his feet and his fitness, he's just showing that he is a, a bit of a cut above everyone else. And um, I think you almost need to take the sort of leashes off them a little bit and just let them play and let them make the decisions. You know, they're Laurie, so- players to to break it, break through lines and create exactly. passes. Like they would, they wouldn't have worked the, the Livingston goal that possibly would have been worked on, but Suda's just found a good pass into Barry Mackay and Boyce has then gone off that pass. Mackay's a beautiful touch and it's a good finish. Que- question for you, Ryan, it, can you be overcoached? Because for me, there seems to be a fearlessness about these hearts players, but only in adversity. And it's like, okay, button pushed. Time to do something about this. Can you? I'm not saying hearts are overcoached. I'm just saying in general, mm. can you have too many things in your mind as a footballer where you just want to go out and play football, as you said? Yeah, definitely. A hundred percent, you can. You know, you, you know, when you think about it, you've got um, five days or six days of training leading up to ninety minutes, and nine times out of ten, that's all built on what you're going to do at the weekend. So if you've got a coach drilling into you for five days if you're a centre-back or a right-back, to find Cami Devlin or find the right midfielder. you know. So you've been working on that all week is just to find Cami or find the right midfielder. And then you come game day and Cami Devlin's marked and they're playing a left winger in front of your right fullback. You're then thinking, oh, for fuck's sake, what am I going to do now? Instead of just, you know, mm. like we've worked on everyone's waiting for you to do that pass because once you play that pass into Cami, Cami then turns out and it activates the strikers, it activates the midfielders. It seems like everyone's going, oh, it's not what, like, this is not what we had planned for. This is not what we worked for. And then it's almost Robbie or coaching staff or the players amongst themselves go, right, okay, forget about that. We'll just play as we can do. And you then start playing your football. Cami's marked, but Mackay's further forward. So just play the ball into there or um, Taylor Moore's further further up the pitch so we can knock one in there. It just seems to be that sort of, yeah, let's just go and see what happens. And I, 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 we we are just guessing what what it is. Um, we should get Craigie on the on the podcast and and see if that's what they've been working on during the week or not. But having a base, Laurie, I think is important. And then it's when the instinct kicks in. And I think, as as Ryan quite rightly said, we've got a lot of talented footballers in there. And as long as we can get a bit of protection for the defence. But I want to give you a, a kind of commentary analysis to, to go hand in hand with what Ryan's just said. You know what it's like, Laurie, when, when we do commentary, you can get access to as many stats as you want, but sometimes just having the base stats, just having what you need, let the football be the star. That's sometimes when you have your best commentaries because you're not worrying about, oh, I've missed this stat or whatever. You're just, the game is the star, not the additional stuff. And from a heart's perspective, let the players be the stars. Let them do what they're good at doing. Don't fill their head with mince. There's a reason why we had to make a change and bring off Ben Woodburn and put on Peter Haring and change the shape. So, and and look, this is nitpicking at the highest possible um, kind of level because we are, if you'd offered any Hearts fan the position that we're in right now at the start of the season, every single one of them is taking it. So, I think, in a way, um, 
we've our levels have have increased. The, the, the ceiling is, is higher, but the expectation level is higher as well. When you see what we're capable of in the second half at Livy, in the second half at Celtic, against Dundee United at home, um, against Motherwell at home, it becomes more obvious when you draw a cowpat of a performance against Livingston in the first half and against Celtic to an extent. It just becomes obvious. So... Just let them do what they're good at doing. Let them play with a little bit more freedom. And hopefully we can put two halves together that can make a decent performance as a whole. And on that note, since you're both diving into Livingston already, we should probably move on to Livingston against Hearts. Okay, so following the defeat at Celtic Park, uh, Hearts travel to the Tony Macaroni Arena, the most ridiculous name um, in Scottish football stadiums, probably. And, Spaghetti had. Uh, the Tony Macarena <laughs> is what I call it. But anyway. Tony Macarena. Um, <laughs> I quite like that one. I, I think that's I, a good one. Um, so Hearts were backed by almost 4,000 Hearts fans. Had a chance to go five points clear in third after Hibs and Motherwell drew on Saturday. And Dundee United had just lost to Celtic in the earlier kickoff on Sunday. Uh, so you, you spoke about teams. So again, I, I, I want to be a bit snappier about this because we have started talking about it already. There was a, uh, a change back to the 3-4-3 formation. Peter Haring came out, which I thought was a little bit harsh. I thought he was excellent at Celtic Park. Josh Ginelli also out. And then came Alex Cochran and Liam Boyce back in, I think. Everyone hoped and expected Boyce would be back in the team. This was against a Livy side who were winless in six, hadn't won a home game in four, but against a Hearts side who had gone six away games without a win and had lost three in a row on the road. And we've spoken about the first half being a bit of a shambles from a Hearts perspective. Fairly timid opening 15-20 minutes, but Livy really grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck, kind of culminating around a four chance 60 second spell which um, hearts were saved by both the post and some wonderful goalkeeping by Craig Gordon now very quickly in terms of the first half before we get to that particular moment um, Livingston have generally played a back three now they did change it up kind of similar to when hearts went to, to Celtic Park so they went with a 4-2-3-1 formation which possibly Robbie Nielsen didn't expect and it was another one of these games Mark where away from home, Hearts just seem to get overrun in the middle to an extent. And I think you have to credit Jason Holt and Stefan Omionga, who I don't think many people expected to, to, to be as effective as they were in this sort of more holding role um, and winning the ball from, from Hearts players and getting Livy up the park. But it wasn't just that. The overload came out wide as well. Like James Penrice, the fullback, was a winger, basically, for, for most of that first half. Do we need to have a big rethink about how we approach away games? Have have these teams figured us out a bit on the road? Is it because we're too nice? Is it because we don't have players that are up for a fight? I, I, I don't know. But I think opposition managers have sussed us. And that's why it was, what, less than, than half an hour? Um, when, when, yeah. we had, when we had to make the, the second change, obviously the first one was enforced. Taylor Moore from Michael Smith. Um, it was pretty much the same after that. But we, we've spoken throughout this season about the, the kind of number of offensive players that we have and defensive players that, that we have. And with Aaron McInef kind of coming in, um, Peter Haring, look, I can understand that. And I, don't, I didn't like see the post-game 
or the pre-game interview with Robbie, and I didn't, I don't know if he was asked about Peter Haring. Peter Haring came back into the side on the Thursday, having not played that often, and then three days later is asked to play on one of the worst synthetic surfaces in yeah. Scotland. So I, I understand that, I, I get that, and it was no surprise when he came on. As far as the problem is away from home, I'd, honestly, I'd, I don't know. I, 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 if I knew and it was easily solvable, I'm sure Robbie Nielsen would know and it was easily solvable. But it's like night and day. And if there'd been a continuation of the performance from the second half against Celtic, then, then fine. But it was no surprise when we made our second change after Taylor Moore had come on for Michael Smith um, with less than half an hour to go. Uh, sorry, gone on the clock. That, that made us more, uh, gave us more stability. And it kept, we, we kind of matched up, didn't we? I think they were 4-3-2-1, and we kind of went with a 4-2-3-1, but it gave us a bit more foothold in the middle of the park, didn't it? It did. Um, in terms of the substitution, Ryan, I mean, Ben Woodburn had had a... Hearts as a whole weren't on their game, but Woodburn, I think, especially had a, a torrid opening. It kept getting caught in possession. I mean, the four chances that Livy had actually originated from Ben Woodburn just being closed down quicker. Just wanted more time on the ball than he was being allowed. His kind of distribution was poor. He underhit a few passes. I know the surface isn't the best, but being substituted in the opening half an hour that is that's a big move, isn't it? I mean, it, you don't yeah. see it. You don't see it very often, and it's almost. I'm going to say humiliation, but as a player, you would you would feel that, wouldn't you? You've been hooked. Yeah, yeah that that's up where with being a sub and being subbed. I, I mean, that's the two probably worst things to happen if you're a footballer. Was it the right call? I mean, I think it was the right call, but I mean, yeah, I think so. I, I was going to ask Mark, do you see that as a player performing badly to be taken off, or did you think it was a tactical? switch and he was just the one that had to be taken off you know do you think that Robbie looked at that first sort of 25 minutes and thought we need to change that and we need to take Woodburn off or did you Both. think that he just seen Woodburn's having a stinker he needs to come off and Laurie spot on play? Laurie spot on both 100% both Ben Woodburn is going to have to, to to go a long way now to get back into this football team he's going to have to sh- he's going to have to um, show that he's up for a fight he might have all the ability in the world, but what is the, the, the phrase? Hard work can beat ability if ability doesn't work, work hard. You've, you've got to be, you've got to be a career out of that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's true, but that, with someone like Ben Woodburn, he's, he's probably a training ground messy. He's probably someone that will score worldies every day in training, and it, it makes him a, his tape or his DVD or, or whatever would probably be absolutely scintillating. But there are times in games, and Livingston on a plastic pitch is one of those, whereby you can have all the skill in the world, but if Sybold or Holt or Omionga or Forrest or McMillan or Shinny decide, you know what, I'm going to have a right good go at you in the first 20 minutes, see if you fancy this. If you don't fancy it, you're a waste of a jersey. So for me, that, that, that was a big moment. It was a big moment for a few reasons. Hopefully it's a kick up the arse that Ben Woodburn needs now, because I wouldn't be starting him until I've seen something that dictates that, okay, he's, he's got it. He's, and if he hasn't, send him back. And he's going to be no use to us if, if he's going to have that attitude um, as, as if, oh, well, I don't fancy this. You've got to muck in. It's not all about being pretty and sticking your lipstick on and going out and dancing. It's about the, the, the tough stuff. That's what it's about. And, and Woodburn at Celtic didn't really do much, but against, against Livingston, there's a couple of things here. 
taking Woodburn off for me was, as Laurie said, both. I think it was an admittance from Robbie Nielsen. Okay, I got this wrong, but you know what? There's still time to resolve this. It's still nil-nil. I'm going to bring on Peter Haring. That's exactly what he did. He changed shape. So maybe it is an admittance of, you know what? We, we got this wrong. This isn't working. But that takes bravery. And you know what? If we'd lost that game and at, at halftime, we should have gone in behind. The Hearts fans, the comments on social media at halftime were echoed by everybody. It just it wasn't good enough. But he noticed that, and things improved after that. So for me, that gives us another option. And we've spoken about that in the last two or three weeks. This 3-2-3-1, three, three, or a th- whatever it is, you've got your two holders, your 10, your striker, and one off the striker. That could be something that we might have just fallen into that might be helpful for us going forward, rather than a 3-4-3 three, three, every day of the week. One other thing I want to mention is Craig Gordon. Again, we keep talking about him, but the save from Jason Holt was absolutely terrific. And it's so good that from from my angle alongside it, I didn't realise he'd saved it until I saw the replay. Um, I think a lot of the Hearts fans on the other side of the pitch had a really nice view of it, but um, I wasn't 100% sure he touched it and because the shot was hit so well, so true. It's one of those, you see Jason Holt start to pull away. He's kind of you know, he's prepping his cel- cel- celebration. He's ready to put his arm in the air because you can see it's going right in the in the top of the net and it's a wonderful dive across the goal, strong fingertips onto onto the post and out. Um, incredibly, the, the replays are great as well from from Jordan Allen who, who gets some wonderful shots that the Hearts uh, Twitter page have shared. We were speaking about this uh, ahead of this podcast the last day or two about Craig Gordon and I put a poll on the Scarves Around the Funnel Twitter account, which was basically, I put, just over 14 years ago, Hart sold Craig Gordon for £9 million to Sunderland for a then British record fee for a goalkeeper. So obviously that fee was based on future potential and his age as well. But is he a better player now in 2021 than he was in 2007? And over the 24 hours that the poll went, the final votes are 92% say that Craig Gordon is a better player now than he was in 2007. Now, I think a lot of these things, short memories come into effect a little bit where everyone's obviously in awe of Craig Gordon, maybe forget how much they were in awe of Craig Gordon in 2007. However, Mark, I would go with that. My feelings would be that he's a more rounded, intelligent goalkeeper now than, than the one that we sold, albeit when a goalkeeper's at the age he is now. He's not going to be worth £9 million, obviously. But I would suggest that he's a better goalkeeper now. And I know I was trying to get you to to get an answer from the man himself and what he feels on that type of thing as well. He does. He he thinks he, he's... He wouldn't come out and kind of say straight away, I'm much better now than I was. He was a super goalkeeper when he, when he was sold. Yeah, yeah. But with goalkeeping and goalkeepers, um, age doesn't really hinder you too much if you keep yourself in in shape which Craig has done and he is a better goalkeeper now and and to get Ryan's thoughts on this one I, I don't think there's ever going to be complacency about defenders if you, if you've got Joel Pereira behind you or you've got Craig Gordon behind you you're obviously more comfortable with Craig Gordon there but you must you, you must have seen Craig Gordon because I don't think you played 
in the same Hearts team. Is that right? As Craig? No. I played a couple of preseason games just right. before he just before he left. I remember going into training and he was up like he was crying. And I remember being like, Oh fuck, like what what's happened here? And he's like, Oh, I'm away. They've accepted the bid. And I remember just being like, Oh wow, like again, I was only young, I think it must have been seventeen at the time, and just thinking, Oh, geez, like at my in my head, I was thinking, Well, wow, like nine million or what it, you know, it was branded it was gonna be a, a record. I thought he would have been, you know, buzzing and super excited. But I just remember that moment of being like, Oh wow, this is like really you know, he's really sad to be leaving hearts at that time and it just showed you how much it it meant to him. But to border on, he he now has no weaknesses. As a goalie, he has nothing that you can, you know, I think we touched on it before. People used to say, oh, maybe he's not great with his feet. You can't, he's, he's good with his feet. He's maybe not unbelievable, but it's not a weakness. You know, he's not like shockingly bad at his feet. He's still agile and reflex saves uh, the best in Scotland, best in the UK. I think he's the best goalie in the UK. He could easily go down and play for any Premier League club. And I would argue that against anyone. And, um, as much as we don't like him making as many saves as he does, some of his saves just need to be, I think Martindale touched on it after the game, what Livingston would do to have him in goals, what anyone in the SBL would do to have him in the goals is, is just incredible. And, um, you know, just hearts are, are very, very lucky to have him. And I just hope that the the club as a whole knows that and uh, are putting a contract worth signing in front of them. Here's here's something for you, Laurie. You're speaking about the difference between Craig Gordon then and and now, and I think Ryan's spot on. I, I, I think there are no weaknesses, and he's just improved all the good things that he's done. Let's talk about when he left Celtic to now, and how much of a better goalkeeper is he now than he was then? I think when you're making all these these saves and you're performing, you're pretty much man of the match most weeks. And regardless of how many saves that he has to make, that does your confidence no harm whatsoever. But as far as ability is concerned, I would argue, I'm not sure he's that much different now than he was when he left Celtic. Uh, I think the ability has been there. There's now more of a confidence. And, and it's like anything. It's like riding a bike, playing golf or, or whatever. The more you do, the better at it you should get. And, and Craig's at the top of his game right now. So the question I would have, of all the most ridiculous decisions that have been made in Scottish football in the last 10 years, how bad is Celtic's decision to get rid of Craig Gordon to then spend all that money on Barkas, who <laughs> then they had to spend all that money on Hart to replace all that money that they'd spent on Barkas to replace Craig Gordon. That has got to be one of the worst decisions. And you can argue, I don't know how far behind Rangers Celtic were in that if a goalkeeper, if Craig Gordon had been playing like he is right now, how close would Celtic have got to Rangers and got that elusive 10 in a row? But that decision, by Celtic was one of the worst. And you know what? He might not come out in public and say when he plays Celtic or when he's asked, is this two fingers to, to Celtic? Because he won so many, he's got so, he had such a good time there and won so many things. And he'll look back on his time there, most of it, with fond memories. But ultimately, these performances from Hearts are him quietly saying to Celtic, fuck you, 
you got that wrong. <laughs> I also think the sort of Hearts fan aspect of it can't be glossed over. You know, he, no, you, he is you, playing you for his. Yeah, he's playing for his boyhood club. He's playing mm-hmm. for a club that really means a lot to him. So, you know, these performances and him, you know, winning man of the matches and being star man each and every week, they're, they're making him and his family really proud. And I think that's a, a massive thing that's gone under. He's he's come back. He's done the sort of footballer's dream, you know, playing and for your boyhood heroes, um, making your debut, making a name for yourself, getting your big move. Going and playing and winning things all over, or all across the UK, and then coming back and finishing your career. But he's not just finishing his career; he's prolonging it with his performances. And I think that's that's what's driving him. Um, and you know, you've touched on it before. He knows all of his stats. He wants to leave Hearts when he decides to retire, holding every single record that he can possibly get. And I think that's just a, a massive credit to himself, his family, and and the professional player that he is because. You know, it's easily to remember. There was a long period of time when everyone was thinking, "Is he actually even going to be back playing?" To then be putting in these performances is yeah, it's quite incredible to be honest. If if Craig Gordon does not end his career at Hearts, it's the fault of Hearts, not Craig Gordon. Yep. No, I agree. It would go down. It would go down as one of Hearts' worst decisions. <laughs> Could you imagine him lining up for somebody else next season or in two seasons' time? Let's hope not. And if, if Craig, if you're listening, you've now faced 89 shots in the Premiership <laughs> this season, and you've saved you've saved 83 of them. So, so well done, well done, well done Craig. Um, well, well, well done, Craig. Well done. Get on the show. Come back on the show anytime. <laughs> second, second half of Livingston against Hearts, much better from the away side, and uh, they were rewarded in the fourth minute of the second period, completely against the run of play, probably the first clear opening they'd created but it is a very nice goal you you kind of touched on it before Ryan Suter moving into the opposition half uh, good pass to pick at Mackay but I, I love the touch from Barry Mackay here because it's one of these Ryan where a lot of players would need to take a touch to get under control and then get a, get their head up and figure out what they're going to do next but because he takes it so quickly and because Boyce I think knows that Barry Mackay is capable of that. It all works so quickly that no Livingston player has a chance to react. Yeah, that touch is, is underrated massively. The, the amount of times that you see that bounce off your shin or go through out for a goal kick or go to the goalie or hit a defender or, or do something, when you actually watch the goal back, it's a bit of a rocket from Suda. It's bouncing, mm-hmm. it's on an artificial pitch. For him just to kill it, stone dead. I think Boyce takes a touch. It's that good that Boyce could hit it first time. And it's just, um, yeah, it's that moment of quality that, you know, certain or certainly now there's a few Hearts players that, that does have those moments of quality. Whereas years gone past, you were thinking, you know, that that's probably not going to happen or that's not the goal. And um, I think that's where sort of the expectation from the fans levels has, has jumped up because we do know that we have these players that are capable of that and, you know, producing the moment of magic that at the end of the day gets you three points, moves you five points clear. And at the end of the season, no one will be talking about um, Livingston away, but it's these it's these places and um, that you need to go and win those games if you want to be up there challenging for Europe. I know we've got a quiz coming up, Laurie, but I want to ask you two a question. Barry Mackay's form right now, has he vaulted himself to Hart's most important outfield player? Ooh, he's definitely. I would. I would definitely say 
attacking. Um, yeah, that's fair. Okay, it, because it, yeah, I get that. It's tricky because defensively, I think again, I think Halkett's been fantastic, and I think one one thing that we didn't mention at Celtic Park, I thought Halkett was superb, and he played in a two, which we've had doubts on. He's he's not looked comfortable in previously. Um, I think Cami, I thought was was really good. Away Olivia as well, just snapping heels all over the park, winning the ball back. Um, but attacking wise, I would say yeah, I would say yeah, I, I really like him, and he's unlucky because he's you know he scores a goal and it's the right call. Uh, Boy says half a yard ahead of the defender, so he it is an offside, but he just doesn't. He just needs that break or something to go in, and I think he'll really go on a run because he's a fantastic player, and I think we are very fortunate to have him. There was there was a lot of positives in the second half. I thought Aaron McInef looked great as well. I think he's a player who, you know, I don't see what goes on in the training ground or, you know, what happens in the sidelines, but you, you get the impression from what he said in the media and the fact he's now getting a run in the team. And from what Robbie Nielsen has said, and from what he said when he came on the podcast, he's someone who won't either let his head go down or or kind of go off in a huff, so to speak. I think it sounds like he's been working hard, been trying to get back in. And I think he's given Robbie Nielsen some decisions to make there because you look in the central midfield area now and you've got, obviously, Benny and, and Devlin have been great. Haring's come in. I think he's done really well. But McInef as well. And that's a whole different kind of player as well. So I think they're giving Robbie Nielsen a headache, albeit a headache that you kind of want to have in many ways as a manager. Yeah. I also think he's, um, you can often tell if a player is popular or, or if the boys like him from celebrations. Um, yeah. And you could just see from his goal against Dundee United that I think every single outfield player was overly excited for him. You know, they must have been seeing what he's been putting on, doing behind the scenes, putting in the training, and, and, and it doesn't go unnoticed amongst the boys. And, you know, I think it was the fifth goal late on in the game. It would have been easy mm-hmm. just to sort of, let him go off and celebrate himself, but it just showed you, you know, what a popular figure he is amongst his his peers and his teammates. That you know, there there was a real good celebration, and I thought that that went a little bit unnoticed in terms of um, you know just the boys being like, you know, you've deserved that, and and all credit to you. And yeah, he's making it difficult for Robbie. I thought again, second half he was he was really good, and um, there's a fair few selection headaches for for Robbie coming up. Yes. Uh, we won't go into the Livy offside because it was a terrible call and you've mentioned it already, Mark. And I think it's 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 good to point these things out. It doesn't it's not always against us when we, we see these things. But one thing <laughs> that you mentioned before, and we will have to touch on because lots of positives in the second half. One negative Armand Nongduille. Oh fuck me. Came on and <laughs> Uh, so I think one of the, I mean the, the I think the big one you're gonna you're gonna look at here. He obviously had a good chance to score at the end. He should have done better. But the big one is where Barry McKay does really well to dink a ball over the Livy backline to him, and he's 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 kind of he's in the perfect position. He's kept himself on side. Looks like he could take it down and and go towards goal. Maybe if he's feeling confident, have a snapshot first time. But he defends it. He manages. It's not a fast pass. It's not like the ball's rocketed to him. And he he actually carries it away from goal. <laughs> I couldn't get my head around it. One of, of many. I thought he had won a competition. 
in the West Lothian <laughs> Courier to come on for a cameo appearance. It was just... <laughs> After the first one, there was a kind of... Whether it was cackling or whatever, it was picked up on the microphone from the supporters as if to say, dear. But then as it continued, I was half expecting a, a decent touch to be met with an ole, but I'm not sure we actually saw a decent touch to give the Hearts fans that opportunity. And it's easy for us to sit in our thrones. Um, me, overweight, Ryan, obviously, still with plenty of ability and, and Laurie commentating and, and to think we, we know best, but come but we're on. Not, but we're not, I, I should say, Mark and I are not professional footballers. Ryan still is. But there's the whole profession. I, I'd, I'd love Ryan looks, to be honest. He looks I'd absolutely... Love Ryan shot of confidence oh he looks like a striker that doesn't even want to miss a chance that's what that's what screamed out on me he thought if i take a touch and balloon this over the bar it's going to go down as a sitter whereas if i can kind of half play it that it's a, a bad ball and a bad touchback he just doesn't want to be in that area and you want your strikers to be missing it you know if he took a touchdown and snapshot and it went past you can maybe put it down to lack of game time and he's just on the pitch and a few other things, but he just doesn't, he doesn't have any confidence right now. That's what I got from, from that cameo. You know, he, How do we get on that confidence? Uh, it's easy to be critical. We need to try and find solutions. Well, How well, do we get him the confidence so that if he does come on again, he's desperate for it and he just slots it away without thinking? Because right now he's a million miles from that. See, the thing, the thing for me is... We're, we're heading to January, and I think it's been mentioned before. I think we'll bring in a striker because, oh, and obviously, need to bring oh, in a striker. Robbie Nielsen's not, he, you're not going to come out and completely slaughter a player and say we're going to replace him, but you'll come, he'll come out and say maybe we're looking at a striker. But I think the main thing he'd be looking at is if we need a number nine, we need an actual striker. And Liam, you know, if Liam Boyce, God forbid, Touchwood gets a bad injury, doesn't play again this season, we are, we're up shit creek. We do not have an able striker to play. And I've I've tried to defend him at times and he's he's had flashes where he's looked capable. But that's becoming the exception. There's too many games where he's looked just nowhere near the standard, you know, almost hilariously so at the weekend. Like Mark says, it didn't look like he'd even played football before. Some of his touches and and then one on one on goal, maybe it's the, the tougher option to go around the keeper. But you know, it was just it was it was a, a very tough thing to watch, and I think we're fortunate, or he's you know he's fortunate from a reaction point of view that Hearts won that game because if Livy had nicked an equaliser at the end, I tell you what, I think a lot of a lot of blame. I mean, we talk about Ben Woodburn looked a bit off it, looked a bit off the pace, had some poor touches. He was having a bad game, but I've kind of seen a bit more from Ben Woodburn when he has been on his game. I think he's had a few bad performances and I agree with Mark that it's going to be tough for him to get back in, but that was a whole other level, some of the touches for, for Nong Dwee. And if he'd been on at the start, he would have probably been the one to take off. Okay, we'll move on from Livingston and time is a wasting. So we're going to make an executive decision and the quiz is not going to happen right now. We're going to do what we did previously. And the quiz will be released as a separate extra episode later in the week. So on its own, because otherwise we're going to be pushing an hour and a half and 
even I don't want to listen to us for an hour and a half. So we'll we'll do, we'll keep it separate and we'll give us a chance to quickly look ahead to Rangers for the next five or ten minutes. Okay. So this weekend, Sunday, another Sunday game for Hearts. Sunday at midday, the Champions Rangers come to Tynecastle for a very big game in the capital. Hearts unbeaten in three against Rangers and have won the last two at Tynecastle. Although Rangers on a run of four consecutive wins, now under the stewardship of Giovanni van Bronckhorst. Uh, Nine points separate the sides before this weekend. Although, in some ways, when I look at that, Mark, it kind of surprises me to think that we could be one win away from still only being six points off the top of the table in December. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, they've played a game less than us. Yeah. However, I... I don't want to start on a negative note, um, but I'm going to because I think they're tougher opponents under Van Bronckhurst than they would have been under Steven Gerrard. And at I think they'll be really, yeah, yeah, at this point. And I think they'll be really tough opponents as it is. But I think this game takes care of itself. I really do. I don't think you need you need much of a pre-match team talk. And and Ryan can tell us when 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 the big games come at Tyne Castle. When the big teams come to Tynecastle, these games surely just take care of themselves, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I think every it's just Hearts fans in general just go up another level. It's that sort of backs against the wall. This is our home, um, and they just it's just over the years. There's been so many good results at Tynecastle against big teams that have come there, and yeah, I, I actually really fancy Hearts to win this weekend. I think there's just something about I think. You almost feel that they play well against Rangers, and I don't know why. I feel like they sort of struggle against Celtic, but they seem to put in better performances against Rangers. I don't know if that's a footballing term. I don't know if it's just the players think that they have a better chance against the Rangers players. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I just always feel confident when um, when Hearts are playing Rangers, especially in recent times, that, that they'll get the right result. One of the things I would say about that, Laurie, is the biggest decision might have already been taken. And that decision was to cut the visiting allocation. And as long as Hearts fans can do their job and fill the re- the rest of the, 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 the ground, um, fill the Roseburn stand for the tickets that are still available and there's not too many left. I watched the Hibs Rangers game recently and those Rangers fans behind the goal, it was like they were sucking the ball in to the back of the net, the noise that they made. I I just think if that's, what, three and a half thousand in the away end and Rangers are only getting a thousand, I think that is a huge call, which could blow up in Hart's face if we don't sell all the tickets. But I think we will sell all the tickets. And for them not to have a full stand, mm-hmm. you've seen what it's like for Celtic fans, for Hibs fans, for Rangers fans when they had the full allocation. I'm totally behind giving Hibs that that stand. I've I've got no issues whatsoever with that. But I totally applaud the football club for cutting the allocations here because I think that could turn in, hopefully, to be a masterstroke in the long run. Yeah, and it's reciprocal when it's a Hibs thing. We want to have the Dunbar end, the full Dunbar end when we play derbies there and vice versa. We'll give them the the full Roseburn, but no, I fully agree. And on that note, just to quickly mention, I mean, there was there been some great initiatives to try and get some tickets out there. Uh, this is my story podcast. Um, we're coordinating a sort of giveaway of tickets. They raised over a, 
£1,100 and gave away over 50 tickets to fans. So this is fans who maybe would normally have been able to afford. Um, I know between us, we we chucked in a couple of tickets ourselves, but really good good work from them. So all credit for arranging that. And I think if you look on social media and kickback, there's lots of other people doing that, you know, putting money in and giving away tickets to, to people who, you know, who can't afford to go normally. So hopefully see a big turnout and lots of families who, you know, it's maybe it's a tough time of year are going to go and enjoy a game of football and hopefully see a Hearts win. So I think that's great. Also want to mention, um, before we get to kind of teams and predictions, something which is kind of more important than the football itself is that on Sunday, Hearts and Rangers are uniting in the fight against MND. So Hearts will warm up with a 26 shirt. So the players will be wearing a number 26, obviously in memory of Manny Saliukas. And Rangers will warm up wearing number two in memory of uh, Fernando Rickson, two former players who both, of course, sadly died of motor neuron disease. There will be MND Scotland collection at the game, both home and away ends. You can make donations as well. And this is pulled directly from from Hearts. This is nothing to do with us, but just to mention, I will share it anyway. You can make a £5 donation by texting CUREMND, all uppercase, all one word, to 7066. And all those details are on the MND Scotland Twitter page and on the Hearts Twitter account. And I thought it was... You know, I shared this, I know we, we spoke about this because I shared it on Twitter and I know you guys had watched it already. There was a, a really heartbreaking video on the Hearts page actually um, with Stevie Morris, who's a Hearts fan, who sadly has also been diagnosed with, with MND. Someone who I've interacted with, I don't know him personally very well, but he's interacted on, on Twitter before. I actually know his son, I used to 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 spend a few, t- a few hours in the pubs after Hearts games with him. And it was a really emotional video I thought and full credit to Stevie for doing that showing the courage I think to to go in front of the camera and talk about his situation obviously it's unthinkable to to be facing that sort of thing but I think it really raised awareness and for me I think it really hit home just how important the work that likes of MD Scotland do uh, how important that is because it can happen to, it's something that can happen to anyone at any point and it's like what an awful kind of thing to be facing, but what a, a brave thing to do to to kind of put that out there. It was heartbreaking to watch, but I think it's important that you do. And <laughs> I th- I'm very proud of our football club. I mean, it's Hart Melodian FC. That F could easily be family. It is football, but it could easily be family. We are, we are a giant family. And I want to take you back to November the 13th when M&D Scotland put a tweet out. We did it. This is a monumental day for motor neuron disease research. We've been calling for the UK government to fund £50 million into targeted MND research, and today they have taken action. Thank you so much to everyone who joined our United to End MND campaign. Now, it wasn't just that tweet. If you don't follow MND Scotland, you probably would have seen that tweet because John Souter and various other Hearts players retweeted that, commented on that, the publicity that got as well. And for Stevie Morris, um, Doddy Weir, all these people that are suffering right now with, with MND Scotland, their tales need to be told in public. And for Stevie and Doddy, thankfully they are, but there's many more that, that aren't. A lot of them don't want their tales to be told in public, but they're still going through that, that heartache. It all needs to mean more awareness 
for such a horrible, horrible disease. And with the UK government now behind it and, and more money being raised with the My Name's Doddy Foundation, and, and as a heart supporter, to have MND Scotland on the front of our jerseys, on the back of having saved the children, We've gone through some shitty times at the football club, both on and off the pitch. I am proud of our football club right now. I'm proud of the owners and, and the decisions that are being taken to partner with MND Scotland to do this at the weekend. I'm proud of Hearts and I'm proud of Rangers for giving money towards this horrible disease and to try and find a cure for it with Fernando Rickson, with Marius Zaliukas, with David Hagen, who played for both clubs and sadly succumbed to the disease as well. It's all about awareness, but you can have as much awareness as you want. There needs to be action taken. So for Heart of Midlothian Football Club, for MND Scotland, I just think that the awareness of this, and, and Sunday's going to be special. I'm proud to be a Hearts fan because of all that. Yeah, exactly. It's a proud footballing. You know, football sort of gets dragged through the mud um, publicly sometimes, but it, it just shows you how powerful it can be for you know both these huge clubs to be to be putting it behind it and and like you said mark it is a it's a proud proud moment for a hearts fan to to see what what hearts are doing in terms of you know the shirt sponsorship and, and having these games on so it's a credit to both clubs for for putting it on on sunday yeah and i think stevie actually i did message him um separately he'd mentioned i think he's he's in the director's box for the game which is great hearts have put him up there and i'm not going to go into you know it was a private message that we that I sent to him but one of the things he said was it's hearts that keep me going I think that's great isn't it Ryan that uh, you know He's like you say to the, to the podcast too so Stevie we're all thinking of you mate if you're listening in um, and we wish you all the very best for the for the battle you've got and just know that you know you're not alone at, at any point and like Mark said you know it's a massive family and yeah we're all just thinking of you buddy yeah you're here and it's uh, one of the one of the the great things that football can be is a vehicle for for good and for change as well. Um, it obviously seems very unimportant in the grand scheme of things, but before we go, should I guess look ahead to the game in terms of what you think will happen? Um, won't spend too long on it because we've 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 spent the time on the important thing. But in terms of team scorer scoreline, Mark, what do you reckon? Big changes to the team, and how do you think the game will go? Is Benningamy going to be fit? I don't know. Um, all all they said initially was he would be out for Celtic and Livingston, so I think they were maybe hopeful. But um, unless I, there's been a new story that I've missed or there's been something recent, I haven't seen anything confirming whether he will be available for Rangers or not yet. So I would say maybe at the moment. Well, if he's not fit, it's simply the same team that started against Livingston with hiring in for Woodburn. Okay. And if he is fit, I mean, what do you do? I, I, I think if you've missed, if your injury was serious enough to keep you out for a couple of games, I think you start Haring instead of Woodburn and you just have him on the bench, Beningamy, with, with Boyce leading the line. Hopefully Boyce will be okay. Hopefully Michael Smith will be okay, although Taylor Moore can come in. The big concern would be if, if Boyce doesn't make it because then it's either Ginelli um, because I don't think Ben Woodburn starts r regardless. And I, I, yeah. I, I fancy... I don't think we'll lose. 
I don't think we'll lose. I'll, I'll go for a 1-1 draw in this one with Barry Mackay. There you go. There's your narrative. Barry Mackay to score against his former club. That's what I do every week now. I always put Barry Mackay. That's my that's my, my tip. But what, what do you think, Ryan? I would go with the same team that started the second half. Okay. Um, okay. Fair. I would go with that. I would just go with that team and, and sort of go on the basis of we played well for that 45 and with Smith, I'm not sure because he seems to have a couple of niggles, doesn't he? He seems to sort of be in and out a little bit. So I'll just have him. I, w- I wouldn't want to be making a sub. I guess you'd know from training with Robbie, but being um, in this position early on the week, I would go with the same team that started the second half. And I'm going to go 2-1 Hearts. And I'm going to go for a Cammy Devlin goal. Oh, and I like the idea that a, that a song kicked back and shared on Twitter that Cammy Devlin is, if he gets booked against Rangers, he'll definitely serve a suspension before the derby because he's one yellow away from it. So I think people are saying Cammy Devlin to score, rip his shirt off, jump into section N, then he gets his suspension out of the way. I take that. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a win. I'm going to go with a combination because I'm going to go with the same scoreline as Ryan, but I'm going to go Barry Mackay to score. So 2-1 hearts, Mackay to score. I've decided it's going to be Barry Mackay every week until he does. Um, it's some show of solidarity with uh, my new my new favourite player. <laughs> Surely he'll score at one point. Surely some week. It's not like I'm picking a defender or anything. Uh, anyway. It's not, it's not like you're picking the correct score in Kingsley to score as well, like someone yeah. did. Yes, yeah, that would be okay. very difficult to do. Can all can all be perfect? So, well, so by the way, sorry to to interject. With regards to Cami Devlin, he needs to take a leaf out of Iago Aspas's book because Aspas opened the scoring for Celta Vigo in a two-one defeat to Valencia, got hurt while doing so, so took his top off, knowing that the injury was severe enough that he was probably going to miss the next week anyway. Took his <laughs> top off while celebrating and therefore is now suspended for a game that he's not going to be eligible to play in anyway. So that's what Cammy Devlin does, and he scores the winner in the last minute. He takes the shirt off, he picks up the yellow card, he misses that next game, and he's available for the derby against Hips. Knowing Cammy um, Devlin, there would be zero thought process going through his head when he scores. <laughs> he, would, he would claim that he knew what he was doing, similar to myself, but he would have no idea the celebration. <laughs> But I'm all for Cammy Devlin scoring a last minute and taking his top off. Um, Let's hope. Two-one win. Let's hope. Well, we we will be back next week to discuss it. Before then, there will also be a scarves and the funnel extra released later in the week with this week's version of the quiz between Mark and Ryan. I'm looking forward to that. Um, also, there will be a release of the first episode of Shirts Around the Funnel. That's hosted by BBC commentator Paul Mitchell. Uh, with Grant Young, who's a heart shirt collector, and me just tagging along because apparently I've got nothing else to do with my time. Um, so keep an eye on the Scarves Around the Funnel Twitter account, which is at Around the Funnel. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can do it that way, or you can also email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Until next time, which is another couple of times this week apparently, um, goodbye. When the dance they call me Margarina and the boys they say Kisoi Buena They all want me, they can't have me, so they all come and dance beside me, move with me